0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Amen. A portion of scripture for our consideration is the second lesson for the first Sunday in Lent, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. Your Christian friends. One of the devil's favorite tactics of temptation is the probing question the kind of question that gets us to think and then overthink and then doubt sometimes those questions are very direct pointed that's kind of how he approached Adam and Eve in the garden with his first temptation did God really say are you sure you heard it right did you do you, do you really understand God's commands I are you certain that he means what he says? Of course, you know what happened to Adam and Eve when the devil came with his tempting question. Sometimes his questions are more subtle, indirect. That's kind of how Jesus or he approached, how the devil approached Jesus in the wilderness. He didn't come at him with straightforward questions, but he got Jesus to think. Are you really the son of God or just a weak, hungry man? Can you trust your heavenly father to protect you, as he said in his word? Do you really want to walk that long, difficult road to the cross, or would you rather have an easier way that I can give you? That old evil foe continues coming to us with his tempting questions, paul understood this in this last cha- in this eighth chapter of his letter to the romans paul addresses the realities of life this side of heaven yes we can be sure that as he says in the chap- in verse one of chapter eight there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus yet there is still weakness struggle sin pain suffering death for God's people. And yes, we have God's promise that He will work all things out for the spiritual and eternal good of His people. Yet, we still have those challenges, those difficulties, that that reality that we have to face. And Paul knew that the devil likes to use that to get us to question. Question God's love God's salvation but Paul also understood the truth of what we see happening in the wilderness as Jesus went face to face with the devil we see that Jesus is the answer to the devil's tempting questions what then shall we say in response to these things these things are its, it's everything Paul's been talking about in this 8th chapter Especially the fact that we have to still struggle and, and deal with problems and troubles and, and pain and suffering. If God is for us, who can be against us? Here's where the devil begins. If God is for us, are you sure God is for us? I mean, there sure, sure seems to be a lot against us. Look at the wicked world around us. I mean, Another shooting at a high school this week in Florida? Was God really for us there? Or look at your own lives, the challenges you have, the difficulties you face, the the pain, chronic pain you might be enduring, or or what about the the sicknesses that are plaguing your, your loved ones? The accident that took the life of your friend? financial troubles you're dealing with. Are you sure God is really for you? The devil asks. Is he really by your side? Can he be when you're dealing with all these, because you're dealing with all these difficulties? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who then is the one who condemns? The devil loves to get us to ask The why question. Why are all these problems and troubles happening in our lives? Is it maybe because you've done some horrible thing? That's what the devil whispers in our ear and our conscience joins in. What about that sin in your past? Or maybe the problems you have are because of the collection, the, the accumulation of all the little things you've done wrong, the, the, the sinful desires you've harbored in your heart, the unkind words you've spoken, the lack of love you've shown. The sinful world takes the place of Job in all this, or Job's friends in all this as they approach Job. Remember how that went? Job's sitting there, lost everything, his, his family, his, his health, his wealth, and they come along and comfort him. Come on, you must have done something wrong for all this bad to be happening to you. God must be condemning you, It right? He then gets us to doubt God's love. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword how can you possibly be sure that god loves you when you look at the problems in this world when you look at the problems in your life in fact how can you be sure that god loves anybody or that he even exists i mean look at consider the the, the pain that you're enduring that the doctors just can't seem to figure out or the cancer that is afflicting your mother or the fact that you lost your job I mean, where's God's love in all that? The devil gets us to ask that. Think about that. Or we look at the world we see the senseless violence, war, terrorism Or how about the natural disasters that bring death and destruction and and pain and suffering from hurricanes and, and earthquakes and diseases? Can God really love someone like you? Or even love at all? The devil would have us focus on ourselves our sins, our sufferings and problems, the challenges and difficulties in the world around us. He knows that the more we do that, the more we think and then overthink and then doubt, and that train of thought will inevitably lead to unbelief, which is right where he wants us. Paul, however, turns our attention elsewhere. See, you notice in the desert, how does Jesus answer every one of the devil's temptations? Mark's Gospel doesn't give us those details, but Matthew and Luke do. Remember that? It is written. And so now we turn our attention, our focus, it has to be on the word of the Lord. And there we see something different. Those probing questions, those challenging questions the devil, those tempting questions the devil brings, we have a different answer. If God is for us, who can be against us? The devil asks, are you sure God is for us? And we can say, absolutely. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Just think about that. God gave us his greatest treasure. His one and only son, holy, innocent, obedient. Who does that? I mean, we saw Abraham, yes, willing to do that. But who gives up his own son for the likes of us? Who are opposed to him, who disobey him for this wicked world? That's exactly what our God has done. He did not spare Jesus the torture of hell, but condemned him in our place at the cross. God is for us. And if He's he's for us like this, nothing else can be against us. I mean, Yes, we've got those difficulties, those challenges, those troubles in our lives, but God has already taken care of the biggest problem. We have all of the blessings Jesus won for us on the cross. Forgiveness of sins, peace with God, certain hope, heaven. And he's done all that for us and he's given us everything else we need. He'll graciously provide us with all of, Just think of how abundantly God provides for you. He protects you in ways that you don't even, probably not even aware of. Cares for us, strengthens us. He works out all things, even the problems, even the pain, even the suffering, for our spiritual and eternal good. He is for us in every way, graciously gives us all things. Still, the why question is floating around out there. Why am I suffering? Why is my loved one suffering? And the devil says, Are you sure you're really a Christian when all these bad things happen to you? Because they must be God's punishment, right? And our conscience screams at us. You, I must have done, why is this? It must have been my fault here somehow. And the sinful world says you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Bad things wouldn't happen to good people. Bad things are happening to you, so you must not be good people. God's word through Paul silences all of those accusations. Who then is the one who condemns? It is God who justifies. A straightforward, direct answer. God justifies. He declares us not guilty. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Now, how can God not condemn us? We're guilty of sin. Why does he not condemn us? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Christ has died, period. He was the perfect payment for every sin of every sinner. He he has risen to life. That's That's the proof, the evidence that his payment was sufficient. He intercepted God's judgment against us and took it on himself, and he has conquered death. And now he is at the right hand of God in a position of power and authority to be our perfect advocate. Speaks up in our defense. Those those accusations come and Jesus reminds us and he reminds the world that sin has already been condemned in him. And you come up to the table and you receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no need to question God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Yes, there are realities. We all have to deal with them in our lives. Sufferings of various kinds. Sometimes we even have to deal with ridicule or persecution because of our faith. We might have to endure hardship because we're Christians. We might feel like lambs and sheep being led to the slaughter. The devil might try to again impress on us. Get us to question as we see all of those things happening to us, as we see the continual wickedness in this world, as we see the the specter of death looming over us at all times. The, The shooting in Florida was another reminder of that, wasn't it? That grim death pursues me all the way. But then we hear Paul's resounding answer. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus is the answer. Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness. Jesus crushed the devil's power at the cross. Jesus conquered death and hell through his resurrection. You and I have been clothed with Christ at our baptism. We are buried and raised with him. Jesus has bound himself to us. And so now we share in all the blessings of his resounding victory. Everything Jesus has done for us, he has now given to us. We are more than conquerors. So all of those those tempting questions of the devil, they're silenced in Jesus. And just like Jesus sent the devil scurrying away with the word of God, so we also, when we hear those devil, the devil's tempting questions, one little word of Jesus can fell him. Yet, my friends, I know that we have those realities, those constant challenges, challenges, difficulties, struggles of everyday life. We can feel pressed on every side. We can feel the devil's probing questions. The doubts can start to develop again. We think, we overthink, Maybe you even paralyze ourselves with discouragement, disappointment, bordering on despair. But Jesus, my friends, Jesus is the answer. And because Jesus is the complete and total answer, nothing in this world, nothing out of this world, nothing in the distant past, nothing now in the present, nothing, no unknown in the future, nothing we're contending with in life, and not even the prospect of death can tear us away from the certainty of God's love for you and for me in Christ Jesus. When those questions start to flood your mind late at night, as you're struggling with the sufferings in your life or or the lives of your loved ones, when those doubts creep in, as you're thinking about the wickedness of the world around us, when you're questioning the certainty of God's love, remember, my friends, go back to his word. Jesus is the answer And because he is the answer, those tempting questions of the devil can be silenced. And you can face the challenges, the realities of your life with sure confidence. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.